The following is a special presentation of the Buccaneers Sports Network. This is the Jay and Keith Show. Two broadcasters, two microphones, and one meticulously scripted podcast. You what? Just kidding. Get it, J.K.? You get it. That's what I thought was so funny. It's not funny. Alongside Keith Break, here's the voice of the Bucks, Jay Sandoz. Oh, it's been a long time. It's been so long. One of us got married. Yes. To it was another, not me. To another person. Oh, yes. Yes, there you go. Yeah, to a person that's not on the podcast. Hi, babe. I love you. You can tell we just got married. Uh, it's going to stay that way, though. It's going to stay that way. We actually, The okay. photographer even said we actually like each other, unlike some of the people that she takes wedding photos for. And just for the record, he loves his wife, not me. Just throw it out there. Just throw it out there. You didn't uh, love yes, you. I love my wife. Okay. I, I, I love you, but that's a different kind of love. That's like uh, I, I tolerate you being a bozo for fun, for yeah, my entertainment kind of love. Honestly, it's very fair. Yeah. Very fair assessment. Very fair. All right, what are we talking about? I think I'm low. Am I low, 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 low? Are you low? Somebody's low. No, Somebody's I'm low. good. You're low? Good. I'm, I can talk to the back wall, even if the back wall is, you know, the back wall of our audience's room, whatever they're listening to. This sure, thing. sure. The, the back seat of the car. I can talk to the back seat of the car if you like. <sighs> so it's July 25th. Today we are recording here. It's a Tuesday. Um, yes. We've not talked in a while, uh, so I'm assuming well, people. Well, yeah, I had two weeks off. Uh, but not off, planning for my wedding and then a honeymoon in Charleston, which was a choice, but it worked out. Lots, lots of uh, New Yorkers down in Charleston? Yes, it is the southernmost point of the state of New York. At least that's what I gleaned from all of the New Yorkers that were down there. Lots of, lots of bachelorette parties as well, and 11% sales tax on food and beverage. So <laughs> that's definitely uh, new, that, that definitely made it feel like New York. Quite New York doesn't have quite the sales tax, but it made it feel like Quite expensive, uh, and I, I guess I should have given you a heads up because I was down there like a month before you, and I, I guess I did not do a good job of warning you on some of that. No, but you were you were already going anyway. So yeah, we were already yeah. going anyway. We were sta- we stayed in the French Quarter. We walked everywhere. It was awesome. It was great. I came back in clothes that I thought I would never wear again. Suddenly started to fit. Oh, there that's, you go. That's how much, we, that's how hot, much we walked. That's how hot and humid and. That's how it's how hot it was, and also how much we did on. Yeah, did you walk the market? And if you did, how much did you spend? I didn't look at the amount I spent. Mm. Uh, which smart? Hey, you know, it's your honeymoon. It's my honeymoon. We had money set aside for it. We did. I know that we did not spend all the money that we had set aside for it. Okay, so yeah, that's good. But, but it was close. Um, Ooh. Yeah. No, it, it was. That was fun. We had a lot of fun. I bought some little knickknack trinkets and things, and some art. Um, art. An original. An original piece of art, not a reproduction or a print or anything. It was an original piece of art. It was really cool. And um, we had a great time. We stayed in an art hotel as well. And there was one piece that was like, it was just low enough. I was like, I could afford that, but would I ever live with myself? And also, I could probably find something similar at Target for 38 bucks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was, uh, on our honeymoon, we did uh, a little... Similar to that, we actually bought an original piece uh, on the street uh, of a a painter and um, brought that back. And then same thing, I thought, well, if I turned the corner and went in an actual art museum, I probably could have saved some money. But you know what? It's an original piece. And uh, so we did the same thing, just to kind of, you know, have something from the honeymoon that we thought would be a little different. Um, 
Still hanging up in the house today, as a matter of fact. So yeah. still, still got it going. Very nice. Yeah. Um, but shout out to the, I believe it is the uh, Charleston Artist Guild. I think it is on Bay Street. Um, it was a pretty cool little spot. We uh, we enjoyed it a great deal. And uh, yeah, that's where that's where, there's a lot of um, what they call affordable art. But we went in and it was like we we'd like to buy a piece, and they were scrambling. I was like, oh, oh, they're, they're, somebody's buying something, um, which I thought was funny and also kind of sad. Like, yeah, you should be able to invest in art a little bit. De- decorate your house with things that bring you joy. But anyway, uh, things that bring me joy football. include football. Yes, that's where I was going next. We are uh, now seven days away from the start of fall camp. The report date is August 1st. The first practice is August 2nd. And um, uh, ETSU... Actually, there's, there's a couple players we still can't talk about. The roster is not done, uh, but the roster is largely complete to the point that we can have an informed discussion and a, and a discussion with full context about the state of play for Buccaneer football in the fall of 2021. The one thing I can tell you is that uh, when we talk about offense in a second, all of the offensive players – are in at least that are going to be discussed in a possible two deep vying for position type battles on the defensive side of the ball. That's where Keith was talking about. There are a couple guys that aren't here yet will be here. So we can only talk about who is here for obvious reasons. Um, and then in a week or so, we'll be able to, to mention more. So that was kind of what we were going to do is Talk a little bit. I want to talk a little special teams, too. We're not forgetting the, the, the third phase. But for the most part, um, you know, we'll kind of roll through guys that are battling in the, the, the two deep early. Uh, now, again, we've watched these guys go against air, you know, some things. The You know, watching Tyler Rydell, and, and we'll talk about the other quarterback, Timmy Dorsey and Baron May, and throwing passes again against, you know, uh, two guys running routes against air. They've not done a lot of – Stuff, but they are working, doing some things. They are allowed to do a few things with coaches, meetings, and, and such, uh, a few hours. But as far as football, really nitty-gritty contact, let's see who's going to do what. We've not seen that. So the limited there, I was able to talk to, um, and then Keith as well, we talked to the coordinators and head coach and, you know, have been able to put together something of, okay, who's battling for what, and figure yes. this would be a good time to go over that in a summer podcast. Yes, and uh, schematically the offense will look different. We've talked about this a little bit, but I was talking with it at length uh, with uh, Jake Guillermo, the offensive line coach, whose unit is going to play a major role in any scheme, uh, and he said they're go- looking to implement a lot of the wide zone concepts that are run by the 49ers and the Atlanta Falcons are coached by Arthur Smith, and while Art is not maybe the greatest head coach in the NFL, he was a very good offensive coordinator with the same scheme with some guy named Derrick Henry in his backfield. And the 49ers have been able to use a revolving door of guys in the backfield and still have the same success. So um, there's, a, there's a lot of things to like about that schematically. If the Bucks can execute it, it should be very effective. Well, the one thing I did enjoy about uh, Randy Sanders was he always talked about a two-back system, and he, he rattled off at Tennessee, whether you're talking about Henry and Stevens. He rattled off Kentucky. He rattled off Florida State, where he had Cook and whoever the NFL guy is. But they he always had kind of a duel. And then, obviously, you saw that with Holmes and Sailors. 
with Neugebauer last year, it was all about one guy on the field all the time. And then occasionally Bryson Irving. You know, or, or, you know, Amir Dindy against Wofford for one carry because everybody else is hurt. So, uh, but that's, you know, and now Jacob, very durable in his whole career. I think he had a high ankle, cost him a couple of games one year. Other than that, he, he was durable. All that, realistically speaking, I think the way that it would work is you would see more guys rotated in. And with Coach Corals, if you go back to just his Furman days as offense coordinator, they ran multiple backs in there. So, I like um, having multiple backs, getting a lot of carry, sharing some of the load, and then if there's a hot hand, which we saw again uh, with Coach Sanders, if a hot hand is Holmes, run Holmes. Hot hand with Sailors, run Sailors. Same thing, I think, this year. If there's a hot hand they're going to go with, whether that's Irby, whether it's Amir Dindy, who we mentioned. Zach Borish is in the mix. Yeah, and one guy that we need to talk about is freshman Tory Lambert. This, this guy's going to get four games, and, and we'll see where it goes from there. But this is somebody who ran for over 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns just in the playoffs of his senior year. He was originally committed to Texas State. Texas State decided they didn't want to recruit high school kids anymore, I think. I don't, I don't know. They've done some weird stuff out there. Uh, well, there was a coaching change, and so his commitment fell through. Um, but also, Texas State's been really fond of the transfer portal the last few years. So Lambert ends up at ETSU, and um, – like, this is a guy that's at least going to get the four games and has a chance to make an immediate impact. He is as advertised. And and Coach Corals actually brought him down to the office just to meet us. He was like, yes. hey, I want to introduce you uh, to Lambert. And the one thing that initial just the eye test, you know. He's, oh, my God, he's huge. He's <laughs> six foot six one and 205, is that fair? Maybe 210? Yeah, I'd say so. So the other funny part was that's very similar, excuse me, to what we saw Quay Holmes come in at as a true freshman, 18-year-old kid. The other funny part was I asked Coach Corals after Lambert walked off. I was like, hey, you know, what do you think? He's like, well, you know, he's got good vision. You know, um, he can move a little bit. Got a little bit better top and speed in Quay, but he kind of just, you know, his footwork in the, you know, in between the tackles isn't great. And I said, well, here's what Randy Sanders told me the first time he saw Quay Holmes. You know, maybe not top end speed, great vision, and kind of heavy footed in the thing. So I said, if those three traits equate to him being anything close to Quay Holmes, sign me up right now. Yes. The other thing I think that, um, Besides, I think Lambert is faster than Quay. I think the big thing is with their vision, I think that's why they are a little slow-footed, if you will, heavy-footed, however you want to use that term. But the funny thing about the uh, Quay, at least, was he was able, as, uh, again, Coach Sander would say, he can make a move in a phone booth. So yes. it wasn't necessarily he was quick, but he was able to see things, then shifty enough to get by the first guy. Then he had enough power to run through people. So if Lambert can do, and I'm not trying to push this on Lambert, Holmes, like immediate, and this is what it's got to be, but there are a lot of similarities besides the size and build, hairstyle as well, um, (laughs) body type, run type, things that were described as far as vision, heavy feet, all the other things. Also, guys that were going to go Division One FBS, if you will, because Holmes was set to go to Georgia Southern, as everyone knows. And at the last minute, says, I don't want to be an A-back. I want to be a feature-back. I don't want to try to cut people's legs all the time. I want the ball. By that time, everybody made a decision. 
Lambert's slightly different. He had already signed with Texas State. Then the coaching changed. We don't want everybody they signed. You need to find somewhere else. Lambert's teammate, who we'll go over um, in a few minutes, uh, LeBlanc, who's a, a nose guard at ETSU. He signed with ETSU in December. He, he had signed with ETSU in December, and his dad is the offensive coordinator at the high school, Brother Martin. And so they were able to just say, hey, why don't you give ETSU a shot? My, my son's going there. We went up there. It's a great visit, great atmosphere. You know, why don't you go? So they drove him up on a visit. He loved it. He signed. So, again, very similar um, story, slightly different on one at the last second, decide not to go FBS, and the other one told, we don't want you. But in the same token, that also tells me, you know, he's probably got a lot to prove and is going to be very driven. So, Irby, you know, his thighs are unbelievable. They've got different running backs. Irby's size and power, you cannot hide. The shiftiness of, I think, Borish and Dindy, especially the top-end speed of Dindy and Borish quicker more than fast. Borish really well in traffic. Yes, and then I think a Quayhome-esque type guy gives you four different styles of runners. Yeah, I agree, and I think that's good because you can put a different guy in a different situation and um, have an idea of what that's going to look like and what your chances are for success. If you're trying to go short yardage, you know, if you're trying to keep it between the, the, the te- keep it between the numbers, like what, you know, you can go to specific backs for specific situations, and uh, that ultimately is going to make the offense better. Uh, I, I think, you know, as deep as they are at running back, they're probably that thin at wide receiver. We talked about that back in the spring as one of the deeper position groups on the team with Dallas Dickey. Well, Cameron Lewis is now a tight end, and Isaiah Wilson is now at Richmond. And that strains that depth a little bit, but Will Huzzy is still one of the best receivers in the SOCON. For my money, I think he's one of the better, um, you know, take top off a of defense type guys uh, in the conference and, and probably in the entire Southeast in FCS football. Uh, I just, I'm a believer in his ability. Uh, I think a lot of the, like, the curl routes and the slants and things that he was used in last year in that offense didn't really take advantage of his best skills. Um, he's backed up by Adriel Clark, who had a fantastic spring and has really taken a, a big step forward as another big body type X wide receiver. And then you've got Enosh Carter and um, Quinn Cavallaro, who got some playing time last year. Uh, Xavier Gierdetz is dealing with a little bit of an injury. He should be good to go for the start of the season, but I think he's going to miss some time in camp. But they love Gierdetz as a slot receiver. Think he could be a young guy, uh, played at Macaulay. He's originally from Montreal, but they recruited him out of the Chattanooga area. And they think he's somebody that can make an impact not just on offense but on special teams. And they are also big fans of Tommy Witt third, who I was impressed by in the spring. I love his quickness, his lateral, his ability to stretch the field. Uh, that's the kind of guy that you can utilize maybe in the jet game. Um, you can use him on some bubble screens and things. That's the, that's a guy that could also see significant playing time. But that's kind of it for wide receiver right now. A lot of depth guys left. A, lot of, a couple of guys that um, were part of that group either changed positions or left the program for other schools. So it's a, it's a little bit of a, a patchwork deal right now. But the talent that is there is good. It's just kind of thin. I mean, if we know we get, you know what you get out of Huzzy and Carter, and even even I think Cavalera, who came on strong late at the end of the year. I want to see more Quinn Cavalera. I, I, I just, you know, that one drive against Sanford where he took over the game, I was like, give this guy the ball. 
give him the ball. It was like three consecutive catches for 85 yards and a touch. And they went for a touchdown, yeah. yeah. The team went for a touchdown. So, a- Adriel Clark, if you remember, big-time uh, numbers, uh, half-brother, I believe, plays for the Bengals, um, set all kinds of Georgia records, played a little bit of smaller school. Big, tall kid that can run. He's just had a hard time finding a place. Now that they've gone back a little bit of the system and some play action, some deep shots, again, kind of, Learning from Huzzy and backing him up, I think that's a great fit. You know, Gerdetz will just see he was coming along. They were high. Tommy Witten's very interesting because he was a guy that had FBS offers. Uh, talking to Caleb Moore at Knox Catholic High School where Tommy went, he was everyone was shocked when he chose ETSU. Kind of wouldn't stay. Not that MTSU isn't that much further and probably the ETSU from Knoxville, but it's obviously a little closer. It's about, yeah, it's probably another hour and a half. So staying there, I think West Kentucky was on him too. Tommy had the tragedy of losing his mother um, there in the spring, kind of dealing with that and everything. So, you know, I think there's a, a lot of people, uh, especially down in the Knoxville area, that uh, sent a lot of message checking on Tommy for the right reasons. And then also excited and then talking to the coaching staff about, what he possibly could bring to the table. And the truth is he played a little bit, a couple games last year, so he got the red shirt. You know, Anaj is going to graduate this year. I would be shocked if, A, he doesn't get on the field some, um, uh, one, just to get reps and other stuff, but, two, if he's not going to be the three-year starter after this. And depending on how he plays and Cavalera Garrett's, Witten or Carter, either one could move inside slot. Uh, There's a lot of different positions. So – even though there's six, I think they've got six solid receivers are excited about, assuming Garrett comes back healthy. I think they do have a little bit of room where guys can kind of plug and play in a few different positions. I think Caballero can play on the outside or inside. Yes. I think Garrett can also do both. I think Whit, uh, Clark can only – I think Clark and Huzzy the only two guys guaranteed on the outside. But I think Carter – Witten, Cavalero, Giradets could could do both. I think they could play on the outside if you needed. They could play on the inside. So I think that gives them a little bit of room because for the most part, ETSU is going to have a three wide out set with a tight end. Yes, uh, and uh, Witten is another guy that's going to be an impact player on special teams. I would imagine. I think he's going to be. He could be their go-to punt returner. He could be on kick return as well. Uh, just somebody that's going to. They're going to find ways to get him on the field and get him. Well, let's talk about that because two years ago, the kick returners were Holmes and Sailors. And then last year, it was predominantly Sailors, and everybody just tried to kick away from them. Right. And you saw a little bit of Tonquest Ball and a few others. Punt returner was Elijah Huzzy's job for the last several years. So the return game, and I don't want to get totally on special team, but the return game we're going to talk about because I think there are a lot of key pieces from the return game that's gone, playmaking ability that's out there just needs to be shown. Um, and then, of course, we talk about kickers and all that. But let's stick with tight ends because Noah West is going to be – him and Cam Lewis are going to be, I believe, the, the, the two tight yes. ends. Uh, uh, and Noah's going to represent ETSU in media day. So he and uh, Sheldon Arnold on the defensive side are going to be there uh, on media day on Thursday. And, um, yeah, he's the guy primarily at tight end. But ETSU is going to have some two tight end packages, and you're going to see Cameron Lewis. And Cameron Lewis is going to be kind of that flex tight end. He's up to about 240 pounds now, so he is about the right size to play tight end and uh, can also be a matchup problem 
in the slot as an extra receiver. They can motion him out, maybe put him on an outside linebacker or a nickel corner. And if you put him on the nickel, he's a problem because he's still got all the speed that he has. So this is that's that's an interesting um, dynamic there. West is very much a conventional, you know, just your security blanket type tight end over the middle of the field. And Lewis is a little bit more dynamic, can do some other things, mainly in the pass-catching game, whereas West is, is maybe a little bit more of an established blocker. And that one-two punch should ideally be enough for the Bucks to get through 11 games this year. Well, and, you know, even backing that up, we've seen Jay Fryers and our boy Biscuits uh, – get yeah. some time so that's your third tight end and then of course my favorite trivia question to answer the fourth tight end is Tim Stayskull he recovered the fumble on the onside kick Kennesaw State so if you never remember the name Tim Stayskull just remember he's the guy that actually recovered it lost it and recovered it again at the <laughs> Kennesaw State that uh, helped lead that comeback so I think they're very well set at, at tight end um, I don't want to say embarrassment of riches but I mean I, I would feel good if Wes Lewis or Frierson uh, is in the game blocking, and honestly, catching. All, all three of those guys can catch. West uh, is actually a former quarterback, so he's very skilled running Lewis the ball as too. well. Oh, that's right. I don't forget. Matter of fact, Lewis was the uh, last uh, player, uh, I believe at ETSU, to receive a touchdown, throw for a touchdown, and rush for a touchdown in a game. And probably will be the last one for a while. That's probably fair. Um, unless they do. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I could see, I could see Coral's... Uh, Running the old uh, QB throwback, the old necessary roughness uh, two-point play. Sure, sure, you can see what well, you know, like that. Scott Bakula, you don't want to talk about uh, that. Come on, I use a reference. I was gonna say, I was gonna say Philly special, but yeah, I think you wanted to stay away from that. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. this, uh, offensive line. Now this is where the most turnover, but I have to admit I'm pretty darn excited about who they brought in. Number one, we've talked about it nauseum. We've, we've interviewed him, but Jay Galermo, I watched him work with high school kids where they had to calm him down. And they were like, Coach, he's a high, high school He's like, an O line coach. coach. Yes, he yes. He's an O line I mean, he, coach. He, I mean, he makes you excited. Just walking down the hallway in that accent where he says something to you, you almost want to turn around and just headbutt the wall. Like, uh, I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable. So I'm it's excited. A, it's a, it's a, it's a, every day is a great day because you woke up this morning. Oh, amen to that, brother. Yeah, right. he's, that's, yeah. that's his mindset. And uh, so he's very, he's got a ton of energy, very enthusiastic. And uh, somebody who talks about, you know, the mindset, like between the lines, you got to be, you got to be a different, like outside the lines, you've got to be, you know, very, you know, good person extraordinary character so that when you go inside the lines you can be a relentlessly violent like caged animal at your spot on his own line like it's it's just you know he, he really preaches both sides of the dynamic um and i think that the guys are seem to be responding to it certainly i would respond pretty well to that personally uh, but it was start right in the middle luke smith is the the first guy that's going to pop for people. He's the only other guy other than the quarterback who's going to touch the ball on every single snap. And uh, he is, I, I think he has been uh, like double penciled in as the starting center transfer from Appalachian State. He's been on campus for a little bit. He played guard at App. Um, my understanding is that uh, App told him he was too small to play guard, and uh, which is funny 
to me uh, in college football, but uh, they, he comes in uh, and will play the position for ETSU in the middle uh, as a, a really exciting addition. Uh, listed at 6'1", 288. He'll probably play a little closer to 300. Um, I mean, it's just everything that you want from, from a guy your starting center is uh, going to be a really, really impactful player and replaces one of uh, uh, probably last year. I don't know that it's a huge stretch to say that Joe Schreiber was the best lineman last year for the Bucks. So you need somebody at a high level to step in and fill that role, and Smith is going to fill that role quickly and, and, and pretty seamlessly. And that, that everybody I've talked to gave me the quote that Keith just said about he was too small and that they basically told him that. That you know was he what was is he six one two ninety five something like that? Yeah, I think he's listed at two eighty eight. I would not be surprised. All right, two eighty eight. All right. So, but still, and if you see his you know the Twitter videos of him blowing people up from coastal and Georgia Southern in slow mo on ESPN two coverage. So, anyways, ETSU will put twelve pounds on the guy. He's six one three hundred and he's fine. No, no, don't because I want him at ETSU. (laughs) Okay, Keith, calm it down. So. Uh, I, I think that was a one of the biggest because of what, again, Keith said, you're talking about an all-league type performer, if not maybe the best center in the league. That was the one position, and, and Jackson Riley got you know a cup of coffee here and there, but it was what are we going to do? And I think Jackson Riley did a great job in spring. I don't think he did anything, but I think Luke Smith was dangling out there. Can we bring him in? And I mean, it's tough to – Turn on the tape, as they say. Look at him and go, oof. Uh, I think, I think he's got an inside track to to be the guy at center, quarterback, sort of that offensive line. And here's the one thing I like. He comes from great culture, great winning, great program at App State. So I'm hoping between what Galermo's going to be able to do, then what Luke Smith's going to be able to bring. I think to me that's a great start to building an offensive line that needs to be revamp because it's been decimated over the last couple of years with transfers. Just think about a couple of years ago, um, you know, you could have possibly had Trayvon Shorts back last year, but he goes to LSU. Yes. Then you have two other starters and, and Matthews and Austin. They now transfer to Troy. You know, then you do have a little bit of graduation. Fred Norman was a starting offensive lineman. He's now Furman. So your five starters from two years ago in a championship team all gone. All yeah, gone. Even guys that started a couple games for you last year that didn't, you know, didn't play the whole season. I don't think Chris Everhart finished the year. Uh, Braxton Ship was in and out of the lineup. Uh, those guys haven't really had a chance to show us that, that they are going to be the guys, but there's confidence that they can be. You know, Everhart's kind of penciled in at left guard right now. He's going to compete with Luke Slusher, who is going to be really good. I, I think he might still be a year away just from, you know, kind of trying to take the pulse of the situation. Uh, and then right guard is going to be Zach Teeter. Uh, Teeter is 6'5", 319 out of Lakeland, Florida, UVA transfer. Three, 320, I saw him today. 320? Yeah, he looked like he ate another muffin. 320. I would love to eat a one-pound muffin. That sounds amazing. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Uh, I, what, what would you even put? You could put chocolate chips and blueberries in a one-pound muffin. I mean, just it's banana nut heavy on the banana nut, I guess. I don't know. Well, I'll let you do that. Um, the teeter's six five three nineteen, and um, 
obviously looks like a tackle at that size, but they see him as a guard, and so he's going to line up at right guard tentatively for ETSU. And we'll see how things go, right? Injuries, competition, a lot of different stuff can happen. But right now it looks like uh, Teeter is going to be on the interior of the offensive line with Luke Smith and uh, Chris Everhart. Luke Slusher is going to be in that mix as well. Uh, but they, I think you want to get – the offensive line is the one position group where you want to get a five and roll. Yeah, yeah. I, I think when they go too deep, and, I, again, I credit Mike O'Kane. Um, you know, he had been offense coordinator at highest levels and, and uh, head coach, and he was like, look, you know, I know it's too deep, but he's like, you know, you need a guard and a spare. You need – or, sorry, a center and a spare. You have two guards and a spare, two tackles and a spare. Yes. You need eight. And possibly seven, depending on if the backup, one of the guards of the three can snap the football. It was like, that's really what you need. In other positions, you probably need some true two deeps. He said, an offensive line, I've learned, you, you really don't. You, you need, need to find, yeah, that's eight and make sure that the tackles can play either way or whatever. But you've you got to figure it out. And I think, you know, if you were to throw a dart at a starting lineup right now, I think. Stephen Flores, from what I've seen him work out, he's looking like uh, right now he's got the inside track on left tackle. Everhart, of course, the Greenville native, uh, Greenville High School, was going to Marshall, had a little bit of, I don't know if it was knee, legging, injury, something there. He come back, he wasn't quite right, so he played a couple, got it fixed. So he's a healthy 100% in one of the guard positions. And you're talking, you mentioned Smith, you mentioned Teeter to the other guard, Braxton Ship. If he comes back from the leg injury, remember, he was the starter for – Five games, I think it was. Then he had the uh, injury. He's coming back. He's on pace, I believe, to uh, be the, the right tackle. Now, you know, then you've got a couple of local kids battling for tackle. You know, Morgan Stern, who played his uh, – Cole Morgan Stern, who played his uh, high school ball at Elizabethan High School. Big-looking uh, young kid, 6'3", 290. Redshirt sophomore has been able to get in the weight room. He's getting bigger, stronger. He's going to push Flores at – one of the tackles, and Anoa Sean actually started when Ship went out. So you'd have to think, you know, depending on if Ships can go or not, you'd have to think Sean would have kind of an inside track there. Jackson Riley clearly is going to battle Luke Smith for the starting center position. And then you mentioned Luke Slusher, and then um, I think Flowers is probably the, the other guard that's going to be um, in the mix. Yeah, Will Flowers, not to be confused with Steven. Yeah, that, that flowers and flowers. And when they first got here, I have to admit, I did, I did confuse that a lot. I, I'm that's, a little better I said now. That specifically for you. So. Oh, and that's yeah, that's fair. I mean, you know me. It's almost like you worked with me. Yeah. So decades. That's uh, and then the line plus the style. I think linemen, and I think uh, Jay Galermo would probably tell you this. Yes, it's exciting to throw some deep balls, put points up on the board. But offensive linemen want them all people. They want a road grade. Yeah. They want to set the tone, and I believe that's going to be the style that we are going to see at ETSU. It'll be back to a little bit more ground and pound. Then they're going to try to get, you know, mix in, I'm sure, because Coach Corals really likes read options or RPOs and things like that. So you're going to see that might be a – I don't know how much true triple option element, but there could be some of that too. So we'll, we'll just have to see. So now we've, we have buried the lead under a, a – into a, a trench that is about as deep as the crust of the earth on this. That George Quarles wanted another quarterback. He brought in another quarterback, and 
there is going to be competition for the starting job in fall camp at ETSU. Tyler Rydell is not a lock because you – now, I haven't met him yet. I haven't seen the guy work out. You have seen Tim Dorsey, not to be confused with the nose tackle for the Bucks last year. You've seen Tim Dorsey um, spin it a little bit in workouts for ETSU uh, as a, a, a competitor for the starting quarterback job this fall. I have. Uh, he actually worked the kids' camp, too, so – I got to watch him uh, interact with his teammates. The one thing about quarterbacks generally is you can kind of tell a little bit about them on how they command the room with their teammates. And I think both Rodell and Timmy Dorsey do that. Dorsey, I, you know, they told me he's about six one or whatever. He came in. I, th- I think he's about the same height as Rodell. To be honest with you, I think he's about five eleven. He's six like five eleven point eight. Yeah, he's. Or something. He's right at six foot. He's a little bigger than um, Rydell. I've watched him do some kind of running, scrambling type drills, and I've watched him throw it. Both those look very impressive. Now, again, throwing against air. Air defenders, air rush, all of that. But the kid is originally from Kansas. Yes, went to a very good prep program at Bishop Miyagi um, and then went to Illinois State where um, they brought in Annex Dad from Minnesota and he was not going to get on the field, so opportunity, was going to go the JUCO route. Uh, ETSU was on him in December, and he was thinking about JUCO, and then they were on him again in the spring, and he decided, I'm going to go do ETSU. I'm going to go this route, and we're going to see what happens. So, uh, George Quarles, very excited about him. Um, you know, again, doesn't have a ton of tape, but it doesn't really have any tape because he's never played at this level, but at the same time, just uh, a lot of talent, really high character guy. If Even if he doesn't win the job, you, it's the kind of guy that it's not going to just go off in the corner and sulk. He's, he's a good teammate. Like everything that I've heard about the guy is high character, athletic, can do a lot of different things. Um, just feels like somebody that's a good addition to a quarterback's room. And um, we'll 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 test Tyler Rydell. And, and I think that's a good thing for Rydell because Jay, you you and I have talked about this before. Tyler Rydell is the kind of football player that thrives in competition. If you don't push him, then he doesn't, you don't get the best out of him. So he needs that competition because he's got a little bit of that I'll show you mentality to him where, um, you know, when you've got another team on the other side that thinks, oh, hey, here's this skinny slow dude, but we, we got, you know, free lunch. He's like, well, I'll show you. And then he throws for 220 and two TDs um, on, like, 17 passes or something. But uh, you need that. he needs that in practice, too. And bringing in another quarterback that can compete with Rydell, you are going to get the best out of Rydell. And at that point, it's made the best man win. Uh, but this is going to be a healthy, positive competition, I think, for ETSU at the quarterback spot, as opposed to just deferring to – the guy that's been there for three years because he's been there for three years. You don't win very often in college football when you're like, well, we've already got a guy. It's like college basketball. It's the same deal. Well, we've got a guy. But this other guy could be better. So we're going to bring him in, and we're going to make him compete and let them figure it out. Yep. And then the third third quarterback is going to be Baron May. Now, May, obviously talented runner, skilled. Uh, I don't think anybody would argue that. Probably the best runner of the group. 
He's a little bigger than all of them, but a little over 200 pounds. Question is, throwing-wise, in the offseason, did he work on that? Can he do it? Can he get in the mix? Can he go? But th- those will be the three quarterbacks. Last year, ETSU had like four guys on, five guys on scholarship uh, at quarterback. Now you're really looking at, at three of them. Yes. And, and there they are, right? L, Dorsey, and May. Now, one of the coaches told me, like, uh, I, I was like, hey, you know, show me where, where Tim's at or Timothy. And he go, oh, we just call him TD. I said, no, 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 You guys call him TD. He doesn't earn that nickname from me until, until he, he starts scoring touchdowns. That's right. you got to create before you get the nickname from a radio or TV crew of TD. We just, yeah. we just don't hand that out. I don't, I don't, we don't do that at all. So, all right, that's the offensive side. Any final thoughts on offense? And we'll go to defense. About the tackles, if ship's not healthy, like I'm a little bit because just because they're so light. I mean, uh, Flores came in at 255. I just like that's lean for a left tackle. That's almost a tight end uh, in terms of size. But when you hear people talk, you say he's got good lower body strength. You know, he can hold his own at the at the spot, and from a technique standpoint, hands, footwork. All those things, he's one of the best options that ETSU has at left tackle, and is is one of is probably the guy at that spot that going into fall camp they look at as the guy that gives them the best chance to win games. So, you know that that does make me a little bit nervous, I guess. But that's also something that still has to be sorted out in fall camp. Uh, I did I did forget one important thing on offense. Juwan Martin still the fullback. <laughs> yes. Yes. Juwan Martin is the fullback. He is the only fullback. I mean, maybe they could stick Frierson back there in a pinch, but it's going to be Juwan Martin at fullback. And he'll get – he should get a fair amount of playing opportunities. There's going to be some, some 21 and 22 personnel packages in this scheme that were not there last year because ETSU just had to have three – Uh, is this this offensive philosophy shift is going to benefit Juwan Martin in terms of uh, his playing opportunities? Let's talk a little bit of defense. Um, sure, let's, t- let's start. You're going to go D line. It's a little thin still. I want to start on the back because I want to start nope. with the strength. Okay. I think the safeties room uh, is the strength of this team defensively. I think this is the strongest, most complete unit because Sheldon Arnold has the opportunity to be an all-conference player this year for ETSU. He took a real step forward at the end of last season, had that great pick in the back corner of the end zone against uh, Western Carolina, where he just read it perfectly, and he was the only guy there. Um, That's somebody that I'm really looking forward to seeing at the free safety spot. I think he's going to be the free safety that uh, can, can make a real difference for ETSU on the back end in pass coverage. Chris Hope. Is going to be the other guy, I think, at safety as well that's going to start. And he's somebody else that, you know, he's going to get downhill a little bit. He's going to hit some guys, you know, have some fun with it. And then Tonquest Ball is a name to know there. That's somebody that can play both positions, somebody who's shown some ball skill. He's obviously got some athletic ability because he's been involved in special teams uh, and, and is probably going to be involved in special teams again this year. That, to me, when you look at you've got three guys for two spots, and then Tyree Rainey is there as well if you need him, uh, but you've really got three guys for two spots that you know 
can play and can play at the level you need them to play at to win games, that strikes me as the best position group on the team as it stands. And maybe some of that is just, well, these are the guys we're most familiar with. We know they can be good. We know they can take a step forward. Um, that may be it, but I think safety is where ETSU has its best setup going into camp. And considering how Billy Taylor calls stuff, the safeties relay a lot of calls and coverages and, again, do a, do a bit um, fancy stuff back there. Uh, you know, they're just not a Tampa 2 or a, you know, a straight cover two, cover three type deal. They, they mix in all kinds of everything. One side they, of the field they might need be, to play a little more cover two. We'll get to that in a minute. Well, and, and that's going to be the next thing because as much as the safeties are locked and loaded and in, uh, the cornerbacks, when you lose Karanda Lentz and then you lose Elijah Huzzy, those are massive losses. I mean, Karan, four or five-year guy, considering COVID, all that unbelievable player. Huzzy's so good, uh, you know, if Power 5 schools are knocking on the door, he went to North Carolina uh, and then was listed as, like, the third or fourth best corner already in ACC. He's got to play it down. So, again, making waves there. Also, talented punt returner you lose. So, gone. So, J. Watt Henderson was a kid we saw a lot. uh, Not what we heard a lot about as a true freshman. Got in the game a little bit last year. And then other than that, I don't know that anybody else has seen a whole lot of playing time. Uh, you got the transfer from Pittsburgh, Kalo Anderson, um, Josh Trice, transfer from uh, Georgia Southern, and then a couple of true freshmen coming in. And one of them is very, I mean, one of them is for a cornerback. I mean, it doesn't even sound right. 6'2, you know, 185, and that's uh, Jenkins, uh, Mike, Mike Jenkins. And so him and Robert McNeil are going to come in. McNeil, 5'11", 170 from Georgia. Um, Jenkins is actually from Somerville, South Carolina, a very talented basketball player. And so we'll see. But th- those two freshmen, and talking to Billy Taylor, he thinks actually Jenkins and McNeil, depending on how they progress and how talented they are, would have a shot maybe to see playing time. But you're going to roll with five different cornerbacks yeah. fighting for two positions, maybe even one of them fighting for the nickel. Wouldn't shock me if Tonquez maybe won't play the nickel some like we saw last year, the three safeties. Yeah. One way or another, that's going to be the biggest question mark, I believe, of any grouping that we'll talk about today is the corners, who they are, and how good or, or what can they do. And, and I think Henderson is going to be fine uh, on the boundary side. You know, he doesn't have to, to move a whole lot. He's just got to win you know, a one-on-one battle in a phone booth with a wide receiver most of the time. You you play a lot of man coverage there. Um, That is a position where I feel like he's going to be okay. There was some speculation internally that he might move to safety, um, but ultimately they're going to stick with him in corner. I think he is the guy in the boundary. Field side is going to be a little bit different uh, because that's where Elijah Huzzy played, if memory serves. He played the field side, and his athleticism allowed him to make some extraordinary plays, and he developed, you know, really good ball skills over the course of his career, and he had great practice habits, and was just a player that, you know, Billy Taylor will tell you, it was a delight to coach Elijah Huzzy. Um, Khalil Anderson has the athleticism. He did not have a very good spring, and that's someone who you're hoping 
is when the lights come on, when the competition starts, and he has to fight, really fight for playing time, he's focused, he's locked in, and he excels. And he does the things that you brought him in to do. Because this is a guy, I mean, this is a sought-after recruit out of high school. He's a former four-star corner uh, out of high school. So, obviously, you know, Pitt went and got him because they thought he was talented. That talent's got to show up for ETSU, or it could be really, really long afternoons when they're playing teams like Sanford uh, that are going to try to spread the field out and make those corners cover more and more space. That's the, the field side corner for me is the single biggest question mark on the entire roster. Who is that guy? Is it Anderson? If not, who is it? And how quickly can that position put it all together? That, I think, determines how successful ETSU's defense ultimately is. Yeah, I, and there's going to be a lot of pressure on him because ETSU, not a lot of sacks last year. No. Um, I think only 20 for the season. And if you're only going to get that little of sack production, then it's, it's very testy on the back end. And so ETSU's either got to figure out if a couple corners can develop quickly and make up for that, or can the defensive line recon packages, all the other things that ETSU tries to do, can they get pressure on the quarterback? Now, the good news is, uh, no matter who went in the transfer portal and all the other things, three of the seven starters that went in the transfer portal came back. And a couple of those are at the linebacker position. So, Stephen Scott will be back on the inside linebacker. And then on the outside, you have two starters that have been starting or seen significant playing time in Zach West. And then DeAndre Davis has been starting. So, West is kind of a de facto starter. Uh, because he played so much and, and different things. But, you know, Zach's going to be on the outside. DeAndre's going to be on the same side as Stephen Scott. So they worked together the last three years. And then a couple of transfers coming in to play um, the weak side middle linebacker fight. Again, it's a 3-4 setup for Billy Taylor. So there's two uh, middle linebackers in the wheel. The weak side are going to be two teammates, actually, from yeah, Missouri, from Missouri State. State. Interesting yep. stories. Tyron Brooks and Jordan Hoskins. Uh, Brooks, I believe, was originally a junior college player that was recruited to Missouri State by Bobby Petrino, and Hoskins was a high school player recruited by Petrino to Missouri State. Um, and when Petrino left, because he, he's the OC at Texas A&M now, those guys were looking for opportunities to go elsewhere and compete, and uh, ETSU was the right fit. Now, um, one of them, and I can't remember which one it is, is going to miss a couple games to start the year, but... Well, maybe, maybe, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not. Okay. Um, the, I know we'll probably have to get with compliance on that, but I believe um, if he passed uh, the six hours um, of something, then there's a possibility he would not miss the two games. But okay. if, he, if he doesn't, I believe it's Brooks that would miss two games, which would be the Jacksonville State and then Carson Newman game. Right, but the, which are games that, you know, he, he probably isn't. But, yes, there is a possibility that Brooks would get uh, would not have to miss any time. That would be great. So I've got to follow back up, but he dropped that on me the other day because I brought that up to uh, Eric Bumgarner, our compliance person. He goes, well, we, because he transferred because some other things, there's a chance that he may not, he may not miss. So okay. that would be obviously for depth purposes because on the will side of things, they're the only two listed. That's it. 
that is it. Like, uh, those, they are, those guys are the guys. Uh, it's kind of like Hoosiers. Like, I have my team. <laughs> my team is on the floor. Well, and, and I could see if, let's say, Brooks is out a couple of games, then Steven Scott will be backed up by Cameron Garnett, the former running back, and saw some time. You could see some Ray Coney. And then Ray Coney, the freshman that was originally going to go to Army out of Cincinnati area, could go over to, to the weak side. And then they're high on Coney. And, again, kind of like McNeil and Jenkins on the cornerback position, there's a chance that Ray could see some playing time this year as he continues to progress. Uh, I mean, you go to – 24-7. And 24-7 is not super reliable for FCS recruiting outside of, like, North Dakota State because somebody up there took over that website and did it. But like, you look at ETSU's recruiting class, like, all time, and the, the number one recruit is Tommy Wynn. Uh, then it's uh, Devin Brantley, Karanda Lentz, uh, George Odomegwu is fifth, Ray Coney is sixth. Like, this is a guy that is really well thought of out of the Cincinnati area that decided kind of at the 11th hour that he didn't want to go to Army. He's coming to ETSU, and we'll see how it goes. He can get downhill. He can hit hard. Uh, you know, Lateral stuff, I, I think, is something that he's going to be working on over the course of this year. But this is somebody that has an opportunity to play a little bit and make a, make an impact uh, with the Bucks fairly quickly, especially if you, know, you end up with need at will linebacker he's somebody that can probably slide over and do it but also I, I think not to be discounted Zach West played some will linebacker in the spring as well he played on the inside a little bit so he knows that position too so if you needed to if you really got dire could you take him off his outside spot and play him inside kind of like they did last year with Eric Campbell but um, probably a little bit more productive just because you've got a higher end player there and say that's an opportunity to utilize some of the things that you did in the spring to patchwork through a game or two in the fall. Um, they do have some reinforcements coming at outside linebacker as well. Uh, and they got a couple of interesting guys. Um, a younger guy, uh, Andre Delanois, is probably going to get the four games, I would think. If nothing else, you can give him some time on special teams. Is somebody that they think very highly of that could be a useful player for them. Yeah, it, you know, depending on what uh, Isaiah McConnell does from Cincinnati, he's kind of right there with him. I mean, you look at McConnell, just again for a linebacker, 6'4, 210. If he put on a lot of weight, you know, be curious to see, you know, would he end up on the more of the line? And again, if you put 20 pounds on him as a true freshman and he goes to 6'4, 230. That's a, a four-year starting outside linebacker. Yeah, and then Dylan Wads, 6'1", 215. Again, freshman of McCoy. So both those guys backing up DeAndre Davis got an opportunity. Then on the other side, Elijah Taylor, the kid they brought in from Gadsden, Alabama, to try to learn behind Zach West. <clears throat> and so, uh, again, they're going to be th- – so the starters, it's interesting because there's seven kind of starters – that are back in, in the safeties, hoping Arnold and Ball did see some time back there as well. Then you've got not a lot going on at the corner position, all kind of fresh, brand new. Then you have three linebackers that played a lot. And Tyron Brooks played, saw some time at Missouri State, not at ETSU. So the starters saw some time. Then the backups, not a lot. And so that's, that's going to be interesting to see 
how injuries play to this, how do guys grow. Uh, another kid, Blake Howard out of uh, Cincinnati, 6'2", 225. He listed kind of a, a DN right now. They've listed him as outside linebacker, so maybe as he's only 225 and out, outside linebacker, as he gets more maybe. Uh, but, again, that the, the Ram is more of the walk-up end. The, the Ram for Billy Taylor is more of, hey, if we're going to put a fourth guy on the line and kind of blitz the Jalen Porters, um, the Austin Gatewoods uh, that have played that position, Blake Bockerith, those guys. Uh, that That's more of the position. So you can get away with Howard being a little bit more of that outside linebacker, like a walk-up in where really DeAndre Davis and stuff, a little more of the coverage side of things. You know, they, they can – not that they can't walk up and blitz, but they're really not the fourth guy that's going to have his hand in the dirt or stand up on the end. It's going to be Zach West. It's going to be Taylor. It's going to be Howard. So, again, though, none of those guys have played except for the starters. The other question mark for me is how healthy is Steven Scott? Steven missed extensive time last year as a starter. Chandler Martin filled in admirably, but you need your guy to be the guy. And some of that is, I mean, a lot of that's beyond his control. But how healthy is he coming into fall camp? Is it something where he takes – takes a couple reps and he tweaks something and suddenly he's out for three days that's not something that I think ETSU can't afford to lose Steven Scott at the mic for extensive period of time no not 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 at all and they really defensively if you're a starter I mean they just they just can't there's been years past where okay you could weather one or two or they're a little deep here or there I think they could. I think they could lose a starter at safety. I think they could lose a starter um, on the defensive line somewhere and be okay. Probably not Max Evans at the anchor, but like one of the defensive ends. I think they could do okay, and, and would, you know, wouldn't be just like a dramatic drop off. But linebacker is not a spot where certainly not the Mike linebacker is not a spot where you can afford to lose your number one guy for an extensive period of time. I'm interested to see what the recon package looks like this year, or if that's something that has to be kind of shelved uh, for ETSU, where you put a lot of you know, hybrid-type guys out there, do you go back to a more conventional nickel package on third down or in three or four receiver sets? Uh, th- that may be something that has to be, well, you know, it, it, because recon against the teams that you're trying to beat, right, the Sanfords of the world, doesn't really work because you can't suck because they move too fast. So how do you adapt for that? Does your does your whole scheme adapt for that over the course of a season? Um, I, I think there's probably some opportunity to get experimental or get fundamental with your scheme, however you, you want to prefer it. Defensive line, I mentioned it, Max Evans, um, I, I think is almost uncontested at the anchor. He's going to be the nose tackle. When I talked to Billy Taylor in the spring, he said this is the position we envisioned Max playing when we recruited him. He, I don't think, put on quite as much weight over the course of his career as they were hoping he would. But he's excited for the challenge. Um, is a you know great guy and has really you know worked himself into a leadership position in that room. That's somebody that I'm excited to see take that step into what is quote unquote his final form at with ETSU football with Max Evans. That's a guy that I'm intrigued because. 
the way Billy Taylor likes to blitz. He, li- he doesn't like to blitz off the edge as much. He likes to blitz through the middle. And last year, Timmy Dorsey was clearing the way for Scott and for uh, Martin and for those guys on the inside to get into the backfield and make disruptive plays. Now that's Max Evans. And I think he's aware of that. He's aware of his role. And if he plays that role well, this is another guy that I think has a chance to have a real star turn for the Bucks in 2023. Yeah, you know, that, that was interesting to hear that they kind of had Evans penciled in there, you know, just 260. I think they wanted to get him uh, obviously a little more um, than that. He's going to be backed up by guys way more than that. Mustafa Algarwi, who started off last year, I mean, really, they were expecting a lot out of him. Uh, and then towards, he got kind of injured, and then he kind of fell down the, the the pecking order of the depth chart. But he's 6'3", 308. And then Jaden Miles, and I, I, I think Jaden's got to lose a little bit here, but Jaden's foot three sixty, And I think they just think, you know, it's funny because you go 100 pounds between the first and the, the third, and there's a guy in the middle as far as weight if you look at it. 260, 310, and then 360. So, a little bit all over the map for the anchor position, a guy that I think eventually could work his way kind of into the conversation um, is Brandon LeBlanc, who, again, is the, the the kid out of Brother Martin we talked about out of Louisiana yeah. with, with the connection to him and Lambert. But um, but he's another guy that needs to put on weight. Yeah, six foot 245, so you know probably move him over to the 5-tech uh, early and then hopefully – Gains more weight and goes back to, to the anchor again because there's just not 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 a lot of depth. I mean, they brought in a transfer uh, to be the starter at the Rock or the Five Technique and brought us Brown, 5'11", yes. 280, give or take. Out of uh, Howard, yeah. Originally from uh, Island Park, New York. And so he's going to be backed up by a guy that, that's uh, redshirt freshman and Jalen George, 6'2", 245, and they're very high on him. Jalen George is the Call it right now. Jalen George will be playing significant reps by the end of this year. Like he will be rotating with Brown, platooning with Brown at the five technique. He might even play a little three technique. He took the fall semester when the rest of his recruiting cohort uh, enrolled at ETSU. He took that time to say, I'm not going to enroll yet. I'm not going to start my eligibility clock. I'm going to go put on weight. And he did that, and he did it very, very well. Uh, and that, as a direct result of that, I think he has a real opportunity to play meaningful reps early in his career at 6'2", um, That's a guy that is as close to out-of-the-box, ready-to-go as a 19-year-old kid as you could possibly ask. And it was funny. I talked to Evans about him after the spring game, and he, he got a look at his eye and was like, this guy is going to be the best of us. And, and he said he's really good. He said he's frust- he's kind of frustrated that he's not making the gains that he wants. But Evans pulled him aside and said, dude, you are so far ahead of where any of us were at your age. Just trust it. And it will come to you. Keep working hard. And if he took that to heart, then Jalen George is going to be really, really special for ETSU. This is, I'm, a, I'm a believer. I'm a believer in this guy. And, again, I think when he adds a little weight, he'll go back to the three-tech with the Bear uh, during his career. Because Devin Brantley, who was a guy that was also that was going to transfer with Stephen Scott and DeAndre he Davis, he came back. So you've got a, a known commodity um, at the, the three-tech. And, again, 
good size guy, all the talent in the world, 6'2", 262. And then it's an interesting, you know, he's going to try to hold off uh, Hot Rod Fitton. As his uh, Twitter handle will tell you. We go Hot Rod or Rodriguez? Well, Rod- you have to earn Hot Rod like I, I, I think so. I th- I, you just got to be on the field. And I, uh, funny thing about Hot Rod is he's, he's going to wear 16 as a D lineman. I mean, Ooh, I love it. So he's not going to be hard that's, to that's spot. That's setting the bar high. That's setting the bar high. So 6'1", 250, graduate transfer, scholarship guy at South Carolina, not a, yes. not a walk-on scholarship. Right. I mean, he was a legit scholarship guy that just – couldn't kind of get on there uh, on the field. Now, he was an outside linebacker. This is going to be more, you know, hand-in-the-dirt type stuff. But, again, he's going to play similar position, wanting a ser player and some of these other guys at ETSU have been able to play, and, and can he get to the quarterback? Devin Brantley is a guy. I think there, there's two guys I feel confident that I'm expecting to be able to get to the QB without a whole lot of scheme stuff. I'm hoping it's Brantley and Fitton on that side that they can kind of go, or they start to make a little noise, and then, you know, you've got to double them, and then all of a sudden that opens up the middle. So we'll, we'll, we'll see, but D-line, I've, you know, we'll see what Brown and kind of George does um, yes. at the Rock. That's more of the unknown, where I'm hoping Brantley and Fitton, Fitton right in there at the three. Ha, ha, ha. And then, of course, Max Evans, you kind of know what you get with him, but who's going to be his backup, because obviously at D-line, those guys have to sub out, you know. Yes. You, you can't just, yeah. you know, 8, 10, 12 play, especially whether you're talking about if you're even given an opportunity against some of the fast-paced teams. But then you play a couple of mil- military schools, just depending on how, I don't know, with VMI, they're not going to run option. But clearly you look at the wing tee principles of Mercer, and they're going to ground and pound you. You know Chattanooga's going to ground and pound you. You know Citadel's going to ground and pound So there's, there's – one thing I like about the league, there are very distinct types of offenses. Um, there's about a third that really want to run the ball. There's a third that really wants to be cute and, you know, more balanced, if you will, uh, some trickeration. And then there's, you know, a couple of high octane. They just want to chuck it all over the field. So, In, in the words of the late, the late Mike Leach, 50% run, 50% pass is 50% score. That's not balance. Somebody tries to be balanced. They're not. That's not balance. Stop it. That changed the way I look at football. That quote. That my, like Mike Leach changed the way I look at football. Not many people have done that. Mike Leach should uh, and got rest his soul because ETSU was the last game uh, that, that, that he ever coached. But that, there were a lot of things that he did that made me smile that I'm going to miss because. He was much watched TV, even if you didn't have a dog in the fight. Yes, completely agree. Special teams. I don't know how to transition from death to special teams, but special teams. Yes, uh, <laughs> special teams. Um, Ewan Johnson has, from our understanding, won the kicker job. Well, let, kicker job. let me say this. Esteban Mendoza, the, the true freshman walk-on from Unicoi County, just okay. up the road. All right. Watched him kick the other day. I, I think Johnson's got the inside track. But, man, Mendoza, not only can Mendoza, uh, strong leg, kicking the field goal, he may push a little bit on the punting side, too. But I'll tell you, he's got, he's got a big-time leg now. He does strike me as kind of the, the hurler that throws 105, but you don't know where it's going type deal. I, I think there is, a, there is a little bit of that as a freshman. But I, I, I think Johnson, probably inside track. But let me just say, I've seen Mendoza, and I, I've been impressed with him. 
Ewan Johnson, 5'10", 160, redshirt freshman. Not that size really matters with a kicker. Height weight don't matter that much with a kicker. Unless it's, like, way out of proportion. Well, and Like, if you have a 6'1", 245 kicker, that, that's... First of all, I love those. That, that, there's, there's a few things I love in sports, and one is a fat kicker. If you give me a, a chubby kicker, I'm all in. Yes, but uh, Johnson, redshirt freshman out of South Doyle, uh, looks like he will take up the mantle that has been worn by uh, greats such as obviously Tyler Keltner, but also J.J. German with the place kicker role at ETSU. And then punter, as of right now, still Trace Kelly. Uh, that one, I believe, is a little bit more open-ended. Yeah, Nate Brackett actually, the last – punning contest thing they did in the spring. Brackett outperformed Kelly, but Kelly had outperformed since there. Again, Mendoza might be in the mix for that, so yeah, they're a little Rollins up in the was another guy that was in the mix uh, earlier this year. Uh, uh, redshirt sophomore out of Rocky Mount, North Carolina. Um, so there's, there's going to be some options. I think there's going to be some competition there for punter in, in particular. Maybe some for place kicker. Johnson was kind of thought of as the guy for a while, but if Mendoza can come in and compete, hey, more power to him. That'd be great. And um, we've talked about return units, uh, where I think Tommy Wood is going to make a big impact. Could see some of your Dendy on kick return as well. You, know, you just get your speedsters back there. Get your fastest uh, guys in the open field back there and let them make the magic happen. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, that's the, the, I think that's one of those low-key things, you didn't have to. Yes, you didn't have to worry about it uh, because you had talented guy playmakers for years back there. Um, so the return game a little scary, and also again Tyler Keltner. And we looked this up yesterday where we're, we're sitting there. I'm not. I don't think I get up quick enough. But ETSU led as far as kickoff coverage. So. You know, Keltner was able to, you know, either pin teams deep or guaranteed touchbacks. And so that, on the flip side, the hidden yardage on the kick and the return game of the kick return and the punt return. Now, the punt game, that's obviously where I think ETSU has kind of had a revolving door. But place kicker for literally seven, eight years, they've not had to worry about it. And kick returning. You know, even Dominique Williams, going back to 2015, he had an out. He usually led the league in, in kick return yards. So ETSU's always been able to do that. Plus, ETSU blocked three punts last year. Yes. Two for touchdowns and one down at the one. And so there's a lot of things there in the special teams that ETSU have to look to. If, if they could get close to, it'll, it'll be a win in my book. And that's where you can really separate yourself as a young Jalen George, if you're Ray Coney, if you're Delanois or, or like a, a McNeil or a Jenkins on defense, those, those guys, if you're a Tommy Wenton on offense, the Amir Denny, like you can really separate yourself by making impact plays on special teams. And that's not just with the ball in your hands. Sometimes that's on field goal block, punt block unit. Like you need big, long, fast, athletic guys that can go after the football and disrupt the, the other team's battery to get the ball away or get it away from points, get it away from yardage, whatever. If you can be disruptive on special teams, that gets people's attention. And that is how you earn the respect and trust of the coaching staff and build your way up to playing time. 
So if you're right on the edge of being a guy that's in the mix regularly in your position group, and you go out on special teams, making impact plays on special teams can make you a bigger factor going back into your position group. You earn that time by doing good work in other places and earn your spot not just through your work in drills, not just through your work in film study, but also through what you do in the special teams unit. That's going to be something to watch with a team that's got so much youth in its depth is the, the special teams units and how fired up those guys are to do the work that they do on special teams. So that is a uh, in-depth look. How long do we go? Uh, it's going to be about an hour and nine when it wraps up. <laughs> when we had, you know, four, four minutes of merry happy talk. <laughs> That's about it. I, I'm looking forward to a good 40, 50 years, maybe 60 years of merry happy talk. No. I'm excited. This is, I thought it would be like, I thought it would be like a stressful thing. Like I have a weight of expectations. It's actually great. It's so much fun to look down and I see that ring on my finger. Like, <laughs> That's so cool. You say marry your best friend and it sounds stupid, but then you do it. And it, it's actually it makes all sense. Yeah, then, then you go on a trip by some art, and then, then, then here you are. And here we are. And eventually have kids. And then uh, life as you know it's over. Oh, wait. That's not right. All right. Oh, but the show is over. It is. We'll be back. Who knows? Probably two weeks. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, you got to be kidding me.